This documentary about abortion includes material that some listeners may find disturbing. Okay, we're going to put your legs up here. Okay. Just for a minute. Okay. This is going to help him place the speculum properly. Okay. Jenna lies on the exam table with her feet up in metal stirrups. She's at the Northeast Ohio Women's Center in Cuyahoga Falls for a surgical abortion. We're not using patients' last names to protect their privacy. Jenna's long fingernails are decorated with tiny, elaborate patterns. Everyone notices them, including Dr. David Burkhans, the owner and medical director of the clinic. Nails of the day, that's for sure. Now, you're going to hear the machine turn on. Means you got about a minute to go. We're starting the last part, okay? You're doing a great job. We're doing such a great job. The entire procedure takes about 10 minutes. Mm. All done, right? You're done. You did a great job. Turn the lights up. From IdeaStream Public Media in Cleveland, I'm Amy Eddings, and this is Ohio After Row. We're taking stock of how abortion changed after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. That landmark decision in 1973 legalized abortion nationwide. The day Roe fell, Ohio's 2019 heartbeat law went into effect. The law prohibits abortion after fetal cardiac activity is detected. Doctors say that's usually six weeks into a pregnancy before many women realize they're pregnant. Before the new restrictions, the state allowed abortion up to 20 weeks after conception. Obstetricians measure this as 22 weeks of pregnancy. The six-week limit radically altered abortion access in ways that caught everyone involved off guard. Ohio's heartbeat law was in force for three months when a judge put it on hold. As that case proceeds, lawmakers are preparing to pass even more abortion restrictions. This is what it was like living in a heartbeat world. Spend some time with Dr. David Burkhans, and you notice he's got some signature lines, like the way he greets patients after the mandatory 24-hour waiting period before their abortion. Hello, Samantha. Hi, how are you? God, I haven't seen you in forever, like a day. I know. (laughs) Okay, so what is your name, honey? Or his stock recommendation about how to deal with uterine cramps. Stay ahead of the pain. You do the things mom taught you when you were 12. You know, curl up in a ball with a heating pad and say you wish you were a boy, you know? I I only had boys. Now I have granddaughters, and they tell me that. (laughs) So. And there's his call to action at the end of every procedure. Okay, we're all done. Thank you. You're very welcome, honey. If you know the best way to thank us, make sure you and vote. all your friends vote. <laughs> right. I've been sharing it all over social media, Doc. <laughs> Burkhans is 75. He owns and operates the Northeast Ohio Women's Center, which has two offices, and the Toledo Women's Center. Together, Burkhans says the clinics performed 4,613 surgical and medication abortions in 2021. 
He says it's professionally satisfying to help people with unplanned pregnancies who want an abortion. When I had my private practice of OBGYN, it was a very good practice, but most of the time the stuff that I did, I mean, I'd sit in my office and I didn't change anybody's life. Here, every person that comes in here with their problem leaves without that problem. Burkhans is master of the workaround. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit, he introduced vibrating call buzzers so patients could wait in their cars for their appointments. When the FDA allowed telehealth visits for medication abortions, Burkhans leveraged that decision to save his patients a second trip to the clinic. He gives them their drugs in a lockbox during their day one consultation. He gives patients the combination during a day two telehealth appointment. And there's one big round pill right in the middle there. Now, don't give it to the cat. Ohio has dozens of regulations governing abortion. Many of those laws were passed after 2010, when Republicans won the governor's office and a supermajority in the legislature. Mike Gonadakis is the president of Ohio Right to Life. We've passed over 25 different pro-life laws, rules, and regulations uh, in Ohio, far exceeding Texas, Florida, any traditional red pro-life state. And, and I'm proud of that because, you know, I, we believe they're common sense solutions to help uh, to get us to where we are today. It's an unbelievably Byzantine web of legal regulations. Jesse Hill is a volunteer attorney with the ACLU of Ohio. She represents the Northeast Ohio Women's Center and other clinics in legal matters. We have a right to life organization in Ohio that is very well connected into the Republican power structure. And so even though Ohio isn't often thought of as being as sort of conservative a state as like Texas or Mississippi, it has often been on the cutting edge of abortion restrictions in particular. The state's most significant restriction came in 2019 when Republican Governor Mike DeWine signed the heartbeat bill. The signing of this bill today is consistent with that respect for life and the imperative to protect those who cannot protect themselves. The ban after six weeks of pregnancy would greatly reduce the number of abortions. In 2021, nearly 40 percent of the abortions in Ohio were for pregnancies at nine weeks or later. Burkhan says operating under a six-week legal limit would be daunting. You want to continue doing what you're doing because you know that you're helping these women, but you don't know how you're going to do it, and that's an anxiety-causing thing. But you know, when it happens, we'll figure out what to do. And if we can do it, we will. And if we can't, I'm going to retire. As expected, abortion clinics sued. They said the heartbeat law's strict six-week limit violated Roe, which allowed abortion up to when a fetus could survive outside the womb. Doctors who treat premature babies say that's around 24 weeks. A federal judge agreed with the clinics and blocked Ohio's heartbeat law. The case never made it to the U.S. Supreme Court. It didn't have to. Another one out of Mississippi took down Roe. June 24, 2022. 
the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. Doug, an ardent abortion opponent, stands outside the Northeast Ohio Women's Center to mark the occasion. He wouldn't give his last name due to a desire for privacy and modesty. It's a good day in America. I mean, America might, might not be over as far as, like, you know, depravity and, and you know, in, in the eyes of God, this is wrong what we've been doing for the last 40-some years. Could you read your sign for me? Yeah, it says business closing 2022. That's a hopeful sign. We're hopeful. I don't know if that will happen. Inside, the clinic's administrative director, Sherry Grossman, sits at the front desk in the dark. Patients are due in about an hour. I, I feel that in my gut, just that impending doom. A little bit of rage. Maybe a lot of rage. How are you going to get through the day today? Just stay focused on the patients and what they need. I might need to step away a couple times and have a cry and come back. I mean, even though we knew this was going to happen, it's still it's not any less shocking. The energy at the clinic feels tense and focused as Burkhans and his staff go about their work. In a telehealth appointment, Samantha swallows a pill to begin her medication abortion. In a few weeks, um, maybe in a few months, if Ohio would ban all abortions, um, you wouldn't have this option. What would you have done no. instead? Um, I don't know. I would, I guess, I would have my baby, I guess. Ohio's heartbeat law went into effect a few hours later. Within a matter of days, the world got a glimpse of some of its ramifications. Turning now to the abortion case that has gained international attention after a 10-year-old rape victim from Ohio was taken to Indiana for the procedure. There are procedure. no exceptions for either rape or incest in Ohio. The only exception is if... Pregnant women are at risk of substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function, I'm quoting. Ten years old, raped, six weeks pregnant, already traumatized, was forced to travel to another state. Imagine being that little girl. Just, I'm, I'm serious, just imagine being that little girl. Ten years old. Those with unwanted pregnancies were now in a race to get an abortion before the six-week legal limit. Many didn't make the cutoff. Burkhan says abortions at his clinics fell by half. Those who could traveled to states with more liberal abortion laws. Some sought financial help from abortion funds. Maggie Scotese is interim director for Abortion Fund of Ohio. We had a client who I had to send over $400 to for Uber because she doesn't have a way to get to her appointment. And she's going to have to Uber the entire way there. And the way there is to where? Uh, to Michigan, to seek care. Michigan was one of three states where voters last November approved constitutional amendments guaranteeing the right to an abortion. Burkhans is pivoting yet again. He's not retiring. He will keep practicing, if not in Ohio, then perhaps in neighboring Michigan. I'm sitting in my living room, and I said to my wife, you know, hey, I'm 75 years old. 
you know, I can retire, do something else, you know, stay, try to stay out of your hair. And she didn't say anything because she knew what was going to happen. About 15 minutes later, I said, you know, I just can't let these win and just keep going. Ohio's heartbeat law was welcomed by many who oppose abortion, but it made the work of pregnancy centers harder. It's devastating because women are rushing into a decision and not taking the time to consider all of their options. The controversial role of pregnancy centers next time on Ohio After Roe. Ohio After Roe was reported and written by me, Amy Eddings. Kate Smith is our editor. Wendy McManaman is our fact checker. Matthew Hancock created our music and sound design. Mike McIntyre is our executive editor. Natalie Pillsbury is our director of strategic content initiatives. Ohio After Roe is a production of IdeaStream Public Media. This documentary was made possible by a grant from the Dr. Donald J. Goodman and Ruth Weber Goodman Philanthropic Fund of the Cleveland Foundation.